0: Well, we're, um, we've, we're now out of the deep end of the Sermon on the Mount. Um, as you're thinking about doing laps in the pool, we're, we're definitely coming up that slope back into the shallow end. Um, and we have some very clear, very distinct things that our Lord says. Um, and they center really around two or three general ideas. Um, but we're going to end up mainly remembering that this is spoken... Um, about the kingdom of, of the church and not the kingdom of, of, of the world in general. And if you remember that, especially in the beginning here, we'll understand better what's being spoken about. So uh, let's begin here. Matthew 7, beginning at verses 1 and 2. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Um, but there are some people in the world who have to judge and that's not who Jesus is talking to so um, if I think about uh, in catechism class when we're talking about the fourth commandment you know all those people who are over us according to the fourth commandment are people who are going to have to occasionally judge in some way Uh, policemen will judge how fast you're going you know and, and so forth um, uh, the one I often use in catechism class is the one that kids usually don't know about yet, which is that a fireman sometimes is required by law to smash your car windows. Did you know that? <laughs> if, you, if you're foolish enough to park in front of a fire plug, you know, a hydrant, the, there is a certain diameter of hose that's used between the, fire, the hydrant and the truck. And if it's too far to go around your car because you've parked illegally, they're, they have to save the building or whatever. They must break your car windows and go through your vehicle to, you know, to, to get in there. Um, and uh, and, and I, I always tell the kids, and by the way, your insurance doesn't cover that. So if that's your brand new Camaro or Corvair or whatever it is, too bad, so sad. You know, you were you were foolish enough to park there. You shouldn't do that. Um, and then, uh, what other people are you know are are actually required to to judge? A judge, yeah, sure, a judge. Um, uh, in many ways, every officer in the military um, is required to be a judge in some way, in some circumstances. Also, a teacher, a parent. Um, uh, professor and so forth, or an umpire. You know, whoever it might happen to be um, is, is required to be a judge. But this is talking about in the realm of the church. How should I treat other people? Shouldn't it be uh, in the way that I myself want to be treated? That's how I should judge somebody else. Um, so if I, uh, for example, this is inevitable, with a, with a staff of more than one pastor. Um, when I listen to my associates preaching, I'm thinking to myself, oh, you know, usually how would I have done that differently? I think that's a pretty natural thought, but that's often what goes through a pastor's mind is, oh, I, I don't think I would have treated that text that way. But I, 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 used, I used to love, uh, when we first came out with the sermon cards, those big bookmarks, um, I have a whole bunch of those filled out based on Pastor Sutton's preaching, because his preaching was really effective for me. I really appreciated it, enjoyed it, and have a lot of notes taken on those things. Also, they fit in a three-hole punch really perfectly, so I can stick them in my binders and so forth. Um, Sometimes, pastors Scharf and Eilhofen come up with ideas that would never have occurred to me And I really appreciate that. That's also a great blessing, I think, in a church our size. If you get a guy who is maybe a little bit more old fashioned than his preaching, which is probably how I would categorize myself. um, And uh, you don't think so, Herb? (laughs) Okay. Uh, um, But uh, it is, I mean, ultimately, when I'm judging preaching, it's the three main things about sermons. Is this from the text? Or does it explain the text? What's the law? What's the gospel? You know, the other things, the extraneous things, the, the example from life and so forth, that, 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 you know, that's not something I can judge because that's something that comes out of the individual man. But is it? does it explain the text? And does it have, does it preach law and gospel? That's the main thing. And uh, I'm really delighted that we have that. I had somebody... Who, um, recently, uh, invited someone else. I don't know where this was, but they told me the story. They invited uh, some family members to their, or the, one of our staff members got invited to somebody else's church, is what happened. And as it happened, this other church, the sermon was about recycling, not about a text out of the scripture, just about recycling. And, and uh, our staff member was. Uh, saying that the family was so apologetic, I'm so sorry. It's you know, I, it's, I know it's just recycling, but is you a really good preacher and all this. And well, what what's the, the Could you have a textual sermon on recycling? Possibly, if it's a creation sermon or something about the way God provides for us, you could have. Well, you could have a a, a recycling application, certainly, um, or something along those lines. But well, anyway. Let's go on. Three to five. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye and then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. I've heard uh, people describe this as they think that this is one of the funniest things Jesus ever said. And um, it might have been. I mean, you can see a comedy element here, especially if Jesus actually picked up a two-by-four, was swinging around, you know, pretending to have a plank in his eye, knocking Peter in the head, because who would resist? You know, or whatever he would do. On the other hand, this is a pretty strict law passage. um, Pretty stern. I mean, speck or plank... Which is worse? It's the plank in your own eye. That's the whole point here. And before you go picking at somebody else's minor things, take care of the major thing in your own life. When I was a kid, there was an, uh, uh, an illustration of this in the, in the narthex of our church. And uh, I think everybody who was involved is probably dead by now, except for me and the preacher, But of, of those who overheard it. But I had an uncle... Who um, somebody came up to my uncle. Um, and, he, and my uncle, at, the, at that moment on that day, had some dandruff on his suit coat shoulders, you know. And this guy came up to my uncle and brushed off my uncle's dandruff and said, You got a real problem there, you know. And the guy looked as if it had snowed on his own shoulders. You know, he was three times as bad. And my aunt goes after the other guy like you should talk, and it was just all over the air, you know, and it was just it was gross and hilarious at the same time. And my pastor was holding his mouth laughing because this was his text. And there it got illustrated in the narthex before church that day. He he said I could I I, I couldn't bring myself. I I I, I almost you know Pointed that out to everybody, but he, he didn't. But uh, oh, what a moment, you know. But uh, but don't go picking on people until you've picked on yourself. Luther talks about this, especially that the planks um, are you know, the, the the specks. I mean, who doesn't have a speck in their life? Um, what no Christian is, is free of a speck, um, but if you've got a plank. That's probably a lifestyle sin, you know. Whatever it might happen to be, there are all there. There are some pretty whopper, uh, whopperous. Is that a word? Uh, gigantic sins, and um. And if you've got one of those, don't go picking at the little things in other people's lives. Take care of your own uh, serious issue. Um. Ah, oh, that sometimes happens when um. We get people who, who uh, get angry with the church and write us letters, you know, over something. And they've, they, there's clearly a major issue in their life usually that's part of their decision to go away. But then they want to pick on little things. You know, you guys, you can never fix your sound system and stuff like that. Well, you know, the, these, are, these are issues. We've come a long way in the last, tw- I think, in sound system and, you know in our congregation, but there are always little things to pick on, uh, but take care of the major sin in your own life. Um, and uh, one more before Jesus gets to kind of the roundup point of this half, which is, do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw pearls to pigs or swine, I think is what the King James would have said. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and then turn and tear you to pieces. Um, so, dogs and hogs. Um, I, I, I wonder a little bit about this passage, first of all, just in the content, because it's not the only time that Jesus or Peter, Paul does it too, uh, when they're writing, uh, and Jesus when he's speaking, um, will offer a partial illustration and then change it. And I kind of wonder if that's what's going on here. Don't give dogs what's sacred. Don't throw your pearls to pigs. So have did the dogs get kind of left behind and then the pigs? Or, or, or what is this? I should have come up with some examples so you know what I'm talking about. But it, it could be an example of, a, of an illustration that's changed, you know, kind of midstream here. Um, but uh, clearly in the middle of the, of, the, of, the, of the slide as I have it there, if you do, they might trample them under their feet. That's relating to the pigs. If you give your, your pearls to the swine, to the hogs, they're going to just going to trample it you know, in the mud and not care about it. But then, uh, and then they will turn and tear you to pieces. This surprises some people. I think some readers expect that this would be the dogs. But how many, how, 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 who else in here has been in a, pen with actual hogs yeah does it sound like what a hog could do yeah they're pretty vicious animals um i know that during world war ii some of our soldiers died in the pacific on islands because wild pigs would come and attack them at night you know it's perfectly possible to be killed by a by a pig um, if it's big enough and wild enough and the tusks you know grow and so forth um so I think that, the, that most of the verse, though, when we're talking about pigs, we're especially talking about, uh, uh, first of all, the whole verse is about doctrine. Primarily about doctrine. And the, the, the pigs part of it is probably more aimed at um, ordinary, I'll say ordinary unbelievers. Um, what the, the Jews would just say, the Gentiles. Um, there maybe is a clean unclean association there, but also don't give your best stuff to Gentiles because it's 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 gonna fall on deaf ears. Um, what what are some of the most complicated doctrines in Scripture? You know, is that what you want to start with with somebody who's never heard of Jesus? I don't think so. So when you when you've got somebody who is you know, brand new to the faith, or ask you a question, start with Christ. Um, if, uh, if, somebody, uh, if somebody, somebody came to me a couple weeks ago and said, what's the real difference between the Wells and the ELCA, the Evangelical Lutheran Church of America? And uh, there are probably dozens and maybe hundreds of answers that are superficial. You know, they're, they're, it's more in the, in the realm of practice than of Doctrine. But the key doctrinal issue, how do you get to heaven? Because the ELCA now teaches that there's more than one way to get to heaven, either by Christ or, if you're not a Christian, you can get to heaven by being faithful to your own religion. Which is, uh, it, it matches what the Roman Catholic Church has now officially begun to say. If I'm a good Satanist... I can get to heaven? That, that's, that's the teaching. It doesn't make any sense, but that's the teaching. In fact, when the ELCA brought this before convention to vote on it, and how you vote on doctrine is a new one to me. Doctrine is, is, is discovered in Scripture, not voted on by convention. But when they did vote on it in, in convention, there were, there were individuals who came up holding up John 14, 6, no one comes to the Father except through me. God bless those wonderful Lutheran members of that church body who are still Christian, saying, we, you can't do this. And they were shouted down by the bishops of the ELCA who said, shut up, you're embarrassing us. You know, just a terrible, tragic moment. And by the way, uh, that was, that's now maybe five, six years ago when that happened. At the time, the ELCA was the largest Lutheran church body in the United States. It isn't anymore. It's been decaying and cracking like, uh, like a rotten stairway. Um, new steps keep falling out every year. Um, and now the Missouri Synod, which has not grown, is larger than the ELCA today. have been pulling too many threads out of the Exactly. Yeah, that's a really good way of putting it, Marsha. Yeah. It certainly should have. Yeah. Yeah. Um, at the, I wrote a letter to the to the presiding bishop of the whole synod, of the Holy ELC at the time. Um, I don't remember her name, but I, I, I do remember that her husband is not a Lutheran. he's a minister in another denomination. I think he's Presbyterian. I thought well, that's kind of a red flag too you know uh, but uh i i I tried to read it to 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 write the letter as respectfully as I possibly could you know um, it's this this is dangerous I respect your I forgot what her title what you're supposed to call um, a bishop you're your Grace, Your Excellency, I think it's Your Grace. Um, and, uh, but I, I did use the a correct, I looked them up online. I looked, what's the correct title to use for a bishop and so forth. And, um, and uh, I didn't get any response, but I, I, uh, I, I did share it with our district president to get his permission. Because I didn't want to write it as a representative of the Wisconsin Synod. I'm not, I'm just a serving pastor. Um, and that's how I wrote it. I said, I'm, I don't represent everybody in my church body. I'm just a pastor who has family in your church body, and I'm concerned. But I told her, this, this is sinful. You're leading people to hell. Um, you know, please consider, repent, and turn away from this sin. But I've talked about that before, haven't I, in this, in this class probably at least once before. All right. All right. Going on, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Um, so the, the basic difference between law and gospel, correct? Is that the law shows our sins and the gospel is an invitation or shows us our savior. The gospel beckons, the law puts up a hand and says stop, right? What is this? What is Matthew 7, verses 7 and 8? Law or gospel? I don't see any law here. Commands are, not every command is law. Some are gospel commands. That's that's an invitation. You know, when Jesus says, pray to my Father, that's an invitation. And here, ask, 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 and I'll give. Seek, 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 and you'll find. Knock, 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 and the door will be opened. This is the invitation. And coming off of what it comes from, which are these other earlier passages. Look at the plank, the plank. Don't give to dogs. Don't throw your pearls. In fact, if you're in a spot where you're not sure what to do, you know, what should I do? Jesus is talking to the apostles here. Ask. If you're not sure, ask. I'll let you know. I'll help you. So it, but it's seek, 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 seek. Knock, 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 knock. Who's there? You know, that's, that's what this is. I wanted to point that out because of this painting. And I had never heard this before I came to New Orleans. But I know that there are some people who misinterpret this painting. Um, and you might wonder, how can you misinterpret a... Well, you can misinterpret a painting. And... Uh, Uh, One of the people who I've heard say this in the past is usually in our morning group and she wasn't here today. It's too bad because I really wanted to clear this up. But can I ask you, and uh, I, I wonder if five of you can come up with the same correct answer today. On what side of the door are the hinges And can I give you a hint? Hinges have to be attached to the door, correct? And in some doors, hinges in ancient times had to be enormous. That's a hint. Yeah, they're on the right side. Those big curved pieces of metal, those big brass or bronze or steel, whatever, and they're in three pieces, kind of like, they're a big loop. Those are hinges. That's what hinges look like. In, in old doors. So, what side of the door is the handle? If the hinges are on the right side, the handle's on the left, right? Well, I've heard it said of this painting that, and, and by the way, this painting has a couple variations where different artists have done the same painting, but it's always the same basic details. Jesus, the door, there's a little peephole there. With a grill or something, and the hinges. Um, the flowers change; they aren't always thistles, but uh, they or whatever these are. But but and it's always stone. Um, Where is the and the, therefore, I've heard people say, however, that um, this door doesn't have a handle. About the hinges? Yeah. yeah. But the, if the hinges are on the right, the handle must be on the left. And in fact, Jesus is blocking the handle. It's not that the door has no handle. Um, because, and I, but I've heard people say that, but when they say that, they're going back to this passage and making it law. Because, oh boy, if he knocks and you don't open, then you're sinning? But where is that in verses 7 and 8? It's just ask and it'll be opened. You know, um, Ellen, by the way, in verse 7, who opens the door? Jesus. Jesus is the one who opens the door. He's not getting us to do something. Go ahead. Yeah. Right. I was interpreting it that way, not because of the passage of being wrong, but because when you ask, Jesus is always there, so it doesn't matter what side of the door he's on. Oh, sure. Well, that's a fine interpretation. Yeah, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that at all. But if you make this out to be that Jesus is knocking and this person, this sinner, doesn't even have a handle on their door, and therefore they can't open the door. That's how that usually spins out with people. And I think, what? What, what, what Sunday school teacher did you have? once, a, Or, or you know, who was it who said this to you? Because that's just all backwards. So you're saying the person is on the other side knocking. Well, in this painting, Jesus is knocking... And so I, I, I'm wondering if the artist is just completely wrong anyway. Because this is the passage that this painting is associated with. Or, behold, I stand at the door and knock. There's also that one. You know, that, that could be as well. Because um, that's, that's also a verse, is it, in Revelation? Um, and... Uh, Sure, and that wouldn't be bad either. Um, but to say that there's no handle, which is my point, is... Well, he's, covering the handle. he's covering the handle, yeah. Yeah. All right. I'd love to have a door like that in my house. But anyway. <laughs> All right, verses 9 and 10. Uh, which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone... Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake. Um, there's a version in Luke where the similar passage also includes um, an egg and a scorpion. So uh, it goes different ways. But of course, none of us. If, if your child asks you for bread, you're not going to give your child a rock. And if your child asks you for a fish, you're not going to give him a snake. I don't know if there's any association with the devil and the serpent here, but you're just, if you ask for a fish, you're not going to get a snake. And uh, Jesus' point is, if you, though you're evil, we all have a sinful human nature, if you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? You know, God knows how to give good gifts. He's not going to, you know, jilt you, or whatever the word would be, or... or you know if, if you ask for something he's going to give it to you he knows how to give good gifts so don't be afraid of asking you know for asking for whatever it is from your heavenly father he knows maybe not precisely maybe not respitely not, not precisely what you ask for because there are those answers God gives and uh, sometimes um, you know no not now not yet um, there, those might be answers that he gives, but he knows how to give good gifts. He's not going to damage you if you pray. You know. I'm trying to think of who, who from, um, all of us come from, very similar generation and of of, of classic TV, and who was the worst TV wife. Um, I don't know if I can think. Um, yes, <laughs> somebody like, I was, I was kind of thinking of the of the, of the wife from. Um, Ma-cattle. Oh, Kettle, That's going back a ways, but yeah, yeah, something like that. But the 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 nagging wife who never gets out of curlers somehow. You know, I don't know how that works, but uh, there are some who are just constantly. You know, um, there was a show called The Ropers on for a while, and she was always nagging. There. There's also, uh, for a younger generation, Peggy Bundy was one of the worst wives ever, um, and uh, so forth. But um, if, 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 a, if, a, if, a, if a man asks God for a good wife, he's not going to throw a mock kettle at him, at him, you know. Um, ask God knows how to give good wives, you know. So... The kind, gentle-hearted herbs of the world can pray, and God will bless him with his Joans. So there you go. There you go. <laughs> so in everything, ah, do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. Everybody remember what that's called? The golden rule. Did you know that there's a silver rule? Almost every other religion has the silver rule. Um, Buddhism, Shintoism, Taoism, the Muslims, um, the the Masons all have the silver rule, which is if you don't want someone to do something to you, don't do it to them. So it's the negative version of this. But everybody else has that. And uh, only Christ gives the golden rule um, instead. And it's funny because in some, um, in some uh, Muslim writings, Christ is criticized for giving the golden rule because he get, they say he gets it wrong. Because you, know, you can't behave this way. Who would behave this way? Well, that's what Jesus says we should do. Which goes back to the, the pearl, for, um, all the way back to the beginning of the, of the chapter, right? Right? Um, on all of those things way back in, the, in verses 1 and 2 uh, don't judge or you'll be judged and so forth um, yeah so uh, do what you would have someone do to you um, if how do I want to be treated if someone catches me uh, in, in a sin you know Um, do, uh, let's say we're, let's, let's say all of us are at a restaurant and, uh, I'm with my boys and I lose my temper and, uh, my language gets salty, which I have worked my whole life not to let happen, but I suppose it could happen, right? And, uh, and I let fly some obscenity or something like that. Um, how would I want you to treat me if that had happened? Would I want you to wait till Sunday morning and then you could stand up in the pew when I'm climbing into the pulpit and say, preacher, how could you get into the pulpit after I heard you say what you said, you know, back at Ella's Deli or whatever. That's a Madison restaurant, whatever restaurants are around here at McDonald's or whatever. Or how would I hope you would treat me? I would hope that you would come to me privately, personally and point that out, you know, and say, you know, that's my savior's name you're misusing or something along those lines, whatever it is. And that's how I would hope that we would always behave. Um, we, we have an issue, I, I don't want to, I won't use any names, but um, there is, a, I'll say, a retired called worker and his wife um, at another church um, in town. Uh, I won't even say if they're of our fellowship, but they occasionally, they, but they really, really read the newspaper carefully, like with a fine-tooth comb. I sometimes re- wonder if they read it twice to each other. You know, all, that's all they do all day is read the paper. And sometimes they have an issue with somebody here at St. Paul's and they tend to call the pastors about it. You know, well, is that what Jesus teaches us to do in Matthew 18? If, if, if your brother sins, go and call his pastor. You know, I don't think that's in Matthew 18. Um, what does it say? Go and show him his fault just between the two of you. Go privately and talk about it with that person if you have a problem with that. Um, and if they say they're not sinning, then what do you do? You take somebody else along and go them and show them their fault again. When I'm teaching catechism, I use a little rhyme for this. Um, they all know it and they're sick of me saying it, but I'll tell you guys. So it's first you go, then to go. If that leaves you in the lurch, take it to the church. So that, there's Matthew 18 in a little nutshell for you. You heard me say that before, Marsha, haven't you? Okay. Too many times? (laughs) Okay. Marsha is the one who calls. No, I'm just kidding. That's not true. (laughs) You've been listening to Invisible Church, the Bible study podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church, New Wall, Minnesota.